0: you want to take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 10 and find verse 19, I'm going to read the short passage there in just a few moments, 9 through 25 actually. You know, time is one of those things that is just very puzzling to people. It's it's one of those things that we all have to deal with. As you know, I was away for a couple of weeks. I was visiting with my mom, and, uh, and she, we had time to go back and, and look at pictures and, and look around the farm. She now lives on the farm my grandfather owned. And, and, and looking back at time we can kind of make sense of things it kind of amazed me how small the farm was when i was a boy it, the, the farm was huge you know from the house to the barn seemed like a long ways and he had his dog pen way down in the woods and it's like it was a trek to, like when we had to go feed the dogs and like we're never going to get there you know and now i look and it was just like it's just small Everything's so much smaller than it was we were looking at some of the paperwork my mom has collected from my grandfather's life, and she used to have some of his pay stubs where he worked at a, a mill where they made cloth baby diapers of all things, right? And, and, and she had a pay stub where he worked a 40 hour week and he made $14.96 that week. My daughter makes more in one hour working at sheets than he did in a whole week's worth of work. You know, time looking back is an amazing thing. I remember coming up as a kid, I was, a, I was and still am pretty much a sci-fi buff. I always enjoyed science fiction movies, and, and Star Trek was one of my favorite ones, you know. And, and they'd sit there, and, and Captain Kirk would break it out and say, psh, 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 you know, the communicator, like, man, that'll never happen, right? You know, how long is it going to be before I go, all right, beam me up, Scotty. You know, time is always changing, and, and, and looking forward to the future is, is a difficult thing to try to make sense of, of what can. And, as, and I was thinking about my grandfather's life and, and all the changes that took place in his life. My dad, I also got to visit with my dad. He had a lady in his church. She just turned 105, 105 years old. She actually had hip surgery on Friday, came home on Monday um, at, from, at 105 years old. And, and, and I was just thinking about her life and and all that, that would have changed in her life in 105 years, the things that would have, she would have thought impossible as a child, right, uh, now as, a, as uh, whatever the word is for someone who's over 100, centurion, centurion or whatever it is, the things that she would see and know that became possible, and so it is a frightful thing sometimes to look at the future. And as I kind of said, I look into the future this year and the years to come, and I have some grave concern about the things that are taking place in the world. And as I think about the future, I wonder about the church and our place in the world and what's going on in the world, and how are we going to deal with that? And I really believe what we'll find out today is our faith it's what we need to hold on to as we go into the future. So let us read uh, Hebrews chapter 10, starting with verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us, through the curtain that is through His flesh. And we're going to celebrate and remember this opening of the way into, pre- into God's presence as we celebrate communion at the end of the day. This new and living way through His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Great is his faithfulness. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting the meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. <coughs> that phrase in that last verse is really what captivated me and kind of caught my attention in preparing for this sermon. The day, as you see the day drawing near and so I want to talk a little bit about what the Bible means when it's talking about the day what what are we talking about as we see the day drawing near now biblically speaking I I hope you understand and, and see that that biblically when it's called the day there in that passage it's talking about what the Bible might call the day of the Lord um it's sometimes referred to the day of the Lord's wrath, the day of judgment, uh, the day, uh, really the culmination of God's plan. When everything comes to its completion, right, well, the judgment day, what, however you want to refer to that. But it's, it's the day uh, that's coming, that's yet to come. We might call it the day of Jesus' return, the, the idea that, that the end of time, when everything comes completion on that day, right? And so, as we see that day drawing near, we're to be encouraging each other. We need to be drawing close to God. We need to the, these ideas. Now, will the day happen in our lifetime? Will this day, the Biblical day that it's talking about happen in our lifetime? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> the one thing the Bible assures us of is nobody knows when the day is, it, it tells us that we can anticipate it, we should be looking forward to it, and we can maybe even see it coming and approaching at a distance. But, but if you hear anybody say, Okay, here's when it's going to happen, just ignore it. Because that's the one day you can count on it not happening, is, is because the Bible really makes it clear we won't know when that happens. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 44, it says, Therefore you must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So this day is not a day that we can really identify when it's going to happen. It could happen in our lifetime. Do I think it's drawing closer? Well, the one thing I can promise you is we're one day closer to the day than we were yesterday. Right? Uh, And that's about all I can say as far as will it happen in our lifetime this day. But I do think it draws near. I do think we're heading towards that. I think the Bible assures us of that. But there's some other aspects of the, top, the idea of the day that I want you to consider too. because the day can also mean uh, another way of looking at it is, is a day, the day as a, a societal hinge point. What I mean by that is, is a day when when culture, when our society, when, when what we knew changes dramatic, dr- drastically, right? We've had several of those. We've had lots of these. Uh, one of those hinge points that you have lived through, or many of you have lived through, some of you haven't, is 9-11, right? That, that there was this day, and we remember that day, that things changed that day. Airport travel has not been the same since that day, right? Uh, it, that all of life and society and culture changed on that day. Um, one of the things that recently happened that I think is going to be another one of those days, and you may not be aware of this, but recently, just a couple of weeks ago, the Pope basically endorsed same-sex marriage. He, he gave the priest the right to offer blessings to those who were engaged or who had same-sex unions to offer a blessing to those. Now he was really unclear what he meant by that, but that's going to change society because the largest Christian church in the world is now endorsing that, what we believe the Bible teaches is sin. That's going to change things. That's a a hinge point. That day just happened not not two weeks ago and we're going to see the change in culture over time of that. And, And so when we talk about the day we're going to have these points, these hinge points in life and in a society where things are going this way and change. In my view, there's been many of those. There seems to be an increasing number of those. And most of the, the points of change are moving away from traditional Christian values. Moving away from the church, right? And so we're going to face a future that in, in a society that is moving away from us. Now we have two choices, we can move away from society because they're moving away from us, or we can turn and chase them because what we have is what they need, right? And say, you might be trying to get away from us, but we're not gonna give up on you, right? But these hinge points will hey, and we'll see more and more, and I think we'll see a number of these days in this coming year, in the year 24, I think we're going to see some of these societal shifts. Uh, and they're going to be, oh, this is the day that that happened. And this is the day that that happened. And this is the day that that happened, right? The election may be one of those that's coming up. Uh, I really am concerned about that because I'm afraid too many Christians are going to be battling with each other over their political parties and forget the king that they serve, right? And, and that day is coming this year, Right? We're going to see what happens on that day, and we're going to hear all about that day (laughs) from now until then. There's also another aspect of the day, And, and if you're not taking notes, I would encourage you, this might be the reason you want to take notes today because you personally may need this information this year. By the way, next week we will be picking up our 3D manual again and launching back into our 3D Disciples manual next week. Uh, and back into work on that but uh, i felt like the first summer, sunday of the year we needed to kind of think about the future a little bit because the day can also be kind of a, a personal landmark you know that, that something happened in your life personally that you that that your life your individual life will be forever changed it may be the day you placed your faith in jesus right it may be the day you got baptized. We had one of those days while we were away on Christmas Eve, Caleb got baptized, right? That was a, a personal shift in his life. That was the day, right? Uh, interestingly enough, it was the same day that his mama got baptized on Christmas Eve, right? So she remembered her day when he celebrated his day. It could be the day that you get that horrible diagnosis, like my mom about a month ago when they told her that her stomach cancer had returned, right? Right? it was that was the day it could be the day that your loved one passes away it could be the day of your own death as you see it approaching you know that's a day we all face we're all going to face one personal cataclysmic day when our life comes to its completion hebrews 9:27 before this chapter says and it is as as and just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes the judgment and so whether it's the, the, the day is the, the eternal cataclysmic completion of all the world, or whether it's your own personal completion of your own life, we all face the day. And this year is going to be full of days. The day, the biblical day might happen this year, it might not. Societal days will happen this year, I almost guarantee you, and I can certainly guarantee you that many of us will face very personal days this year. When that day, this is the day, and we need to be able to face those days, tells us to encourage one another as we see the days drawing near, the day drawing near. So this day will be full of those, uh, this year will be full of those days, some of them collectively for us as a congregation, some for us as a community, some of us as a state or a nation, some personally, individually, some for just one of our loved ones, and we will refer to it as the day. So how will we navigate? What, what should we do in those days? And so I want to talk first about the who before we talk about the the do. What who are, who is this passage written to? The Bible tells us to prepare for the cosmic final day of God, the the day the day of the Lord. It actually tells us that we should be doing this in prep that we should be preparing ourselves. To face the day of the Lord and even our personal, own personal days. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, it says, He answered, When it was evening, um, when it is evening, you say, It is fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. And so when we think about the day, and especially the day of the Lord, the Bible tells us, Look around. Pay attention. There, there are signs out there. You know how to, to read the weather? That's debatable. Started out three days ago, it was going to be eight inches, and then it's going to be snow again, right? And then it's one inch, and now I'm not sure what we ended up with. But we, we take a stab. We can, we can read the signs of the seasons and make sense of, of what's going on, but we're not paying attention to what's happening in the world. And Bible tells us, Look. And when I look around, I see signs of the day drawing near. And we should be preparing ourselves for that. It tells us to, one, anticipate the coming of the day, and that we should see it approaching. It actually tells us we should should pray for, and Revelation says, yes, come, Jesus, come, that we should pray for the coming of the day. But for those of us, this, this encouragement, who is this encouragement for? Because the Bible is going to give us three very specific tasks to do in preparation for the day. But it's not for everybody. It's for a select group of people. It, it, the who is as important as the what to do. And the who is disciples. It says, here's how it describes us. This passage is instructions for those who find themselves facing extremely difficult and dangerous and troublesome times. This passage is for those, it is written to instruct those who are facing very, very difficult times. For those who are looking around and seeing things, and it's like, man, things are bad. And they seem to be getting worse and worse. People. Like Matthew, what it's describes in Matthew 24, 32, and 33. for the fig tree, From the fig tree learn this lesson. As soon as the branch becomes tender and it puts out leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know that, that He is near. Uh, uh, that heaven is near and at the very gates. That, that we can look around and see things lining up for the return of God and for the day to come. And this passage is written for disciples who are really struggling and facing difficult times. Because here's how it describes a disciple. Therefore, brothers. it's talking to believers, right? We have confidence to enter the, the, the holy place by the blood of Jesus. By the new and living way that is opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house, let us draw near. And so the idea is that these instructions on how to deal with difficult times with the day, whichever kind of day it may be, is for those who can enter in the presence of God, for those who will take communion today. Because they have put their faith in Christ. Those who can draw near to God. Those who can enter with confidence into the holy place by the blood of Jesus. By the new and living way. The fact of the matter is that people who don't have faith in Christ have no uh, resources to deal with the trouble that's in the world. I often wonder how people who don't have faith, how do they make it? How, How do they deal I look and when they get that prognosis when they when that doctor calls and it's like we got the report right and here's what it says when they get the call your loved one just passed away when when society uh, moves away when 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 cataclysmic events take place in our world right uh, when they look at their own personal mortality and they have no hope beyond this moment how do they make it I, I believe they, they must be tougher than I am. They must be more stubborn than I am. They, they must have some kind of internal strength that I don't have, because I believe if I was in that situation, I would lose all hope. And the truth of the matter is, people are losing all hope. that suci- uh, suicide rates are at some of the highest rates they've ever been in society. Why is that? Because they're hopeless. They see that things are bad and getting worse, right? They see that things are going downhill. They see that the world is crazy and at war, and they have no hope beyond the moment, and so they give up. And this scripture is for those of us who say, don't give up. Don't give up. You can enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus. You have a faithful and good high priest over you who understand who's your advocate. You got somebody on your side. Don't give up when times get tough. But it's only believers who have that access, who have that high priest who, who, those who can say I've taken of the blood and, and I've accepted the broken body of Christ, I can enter into His presence. I got hope no matter what happens. That's the who this is written to, and then it tells us what to do. We have this great, we have access to God directly. We have this great high priest who's better than all things, and so there's clear instructions for disciples and how to deal with the most difficult days it it tells us how to prepare for the day the final day it's also good instructions for how to deal with our societal days and our personal days likewise that is what the whole book of Hebrews really is all about and so now that we know the day and the who what are we to do What are the instructions for dealing with difficult times and particularly preparing for the day of the Lord when it would come? Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near to God. Maybe we've been sitting stagnant. Maybe we've been sitting still. I used to have a T-shirt. I think I told you all this one before. I used to have this T-shirt, and it, it, it was a mountain scene, and it, it said it, feel far from God. Who moved? Because God is faithful. Great is his faithfulness. He's still right where he always was. And if we feel far from God, it's not because He's moved, but it's because we've moved from Him. And now, in those days, as we look at the day, and as we face the possibility of the day, let us draw near to God. First of all, I want you to notice the collective idea of this passage. It doesn't say, you draw near. You draw near. You draw near. It says, let us draw near. That there's a collective idea in the church and the family in, in what we do. Not only today do we celebrate our communion with God, we sub- celebrate our communion with one another, right? And, and so this instruction is not an individual instruction. This is instructions for a group. Let's all draw near And we may draw near individually, but let's draw near as a congregation and as a group, right? And one of the things we must understand is sometimes difficult times come for the very purpose of driving us to God. I believe that at least one of the good that God accomplishes from difficult times, and maybe one of the reasons God allows difficult times into our lives is so that we will draw near. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says this, "...for we not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired for life itself." So, Paul's saying, look, I was in a rough spot. I was thinking about giving up. I'd lost all hope. You know, he goes on, "...indeed we felt we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul says, look, I went through an affliction that I never thought I could handle. And the reason God let that happen to me is so I would turn to him. And so one of the wise, most wise things we can do when we face difficult days, turn towards God. Draw near to God. It's just one of the benefits that God's able to manufacture out of the difficulties we endure while living in a fallen world is that we can use, God can use bad times to draw us and turn us and help us draw near to God. So how do we draw near? I'm gonna give you a quick three steps. Number one, confess and repent. The first, pre- the first sermon Jesus preached, we read Matthew today, repent, for the kingdom of God is near, right? Repent because the day is close. And all all confession and repentance is, is turning towards God, right? God's where He's always been. We've moved far away from Him. The first step to drawing near to God is changing your direction and turning towards Him, right? The second step is discipleship, what we call discipleship. You know, all these things that we've been studying through our 3D manual. And, And all it is, is when Jesus called His disciples, He said, Come, follow Me. And drawing near means we turn and we follow you just start walking in the same direction he's going, right? And, we'll, we'll, and, and thankfully, God walks slow enough that we can catch him. I think sometimes he might drag his feet a little bit for me. Just like, all right, come on, come on, you can do it, right? And finally, once you get there, abide. Stick with him, Right? I mean, that's drawing near in its simplest form. Turn towards him, follow him, stick with him, right? Don't get in front of him. I have a habit. I've had a habit of doing that um, multiple times in my life. And, and, and so I want to stay just a step behind. <laughs> Close enough that I'm with him, but not so fast that I get ahead of him. This is the idea of drawing near. And one of the, most, one of the greatest promises in the Bible it's found in James chapter 4, verse, says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he flee from you. Verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Turn towards me. Follow me. Stick with me. Draw near to me, and I promise I'll draw near to you. I'm not going to try to leave you. I'm not going to try to outrun you. I'm not going to leave you behind. I'll wait for you. You draw near to me. I'll draw near to you. What a promise. What a promise. All we got to do is that little bit of turning, following, and sticking with him. The next thing it tells us to do, let us draw near. Let us hold fast to our faith. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. God's not going to give up on us, so don't give up on God. Let us hold fast to our faith. Now, we need to see this. I believe we need to see this idea as a warning. What the Bible is saying is tough times are going to come, and you're in danger, warning, you know, danger, Will Robinson, danger, Will Robinson, for those of you who ever watched Lost in Space, right? Warning, difficult times can draw you away from God. It's a warning, Hold fast in difficult times because if you don't hold fast, you may draw away. You may get left behind. You may move away. We need to see this as a warning. And actually, um, as we think about the day, and a lot of people are being challenged by the day, and I see a lot of people, especially when they face that personal day, when that, that personal landmark happens, they, that they really struggle with their faith. They don't have an answer for when something bad happens to them. And it's really a challenge of their faith. But but here's the warning. Discipleship is developed through difficulty. Now, most people don't tell Christians this anymore. but, But following Jesus, the guy who went to the cross, is developed by following and picking up your own cross. Discipleship is developed through difficulty, and the Bible confirms this. I'm going to read you a whole list of scriptures. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange was happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering that you may also rejoice and be glad when the glory is revealed. Don't be surprised when something bad happens. Expect it. James 1, 2, 2 and 4 in verse 12 says, Count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Verse 12, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Acts chapter 14, verse 22, Paul is preaching in Lystra. And he says, he came to strengthen the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. right? Not through the easy path, but through the narrow, difficult path, we must enter the kingdom of God. John 16, 31, 33, Jesus is talking to the disciples. He said, and Jesus answered them, do you you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come. When you will be scattered, each to his own home, and and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things, that you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation. But take heart. I've overcome the world. right? But in this world... You're going to have tribulation. He, another place he warns them, don't be surprised when the world hates you because they hated me first and you're following me. Hebrews chapter 11, the entire chapter is about people who suffered seeking a better land. And it says they could have returned to the land they came from but they wanted something better and so they endured trials and tribulation and pain and suffering because they had their eyes set somewhere better discipleship is developed through difficulty and we need to hear that because I fear in too many churches in our country particularly around the world that we have misrepresented the gospel that we have told people you accept Jesus and everything's going to be a-okay that is not the teaching of the scriptures That that we have adopted in many cases in our own theology, within our churches, and within our teaching, some kind of quasi-prosperity mindset that is a mix of pop psychology, motivational speakers, and itching ears wanting to have preached to them what they want preached. And if y'all want that in a quote, you can look it up. I'll write it down for you because I stand on it. And what's preached in many, in many churches today is a feel-good gospel that makes it all about the people sitting in the pews and not the God and King of heaven who's on his way back in that day. And thirdly, I'm afraid that the false teaching and the false teachers are starting to draw away people teaching that, it is, that, teaching that it's got, let me read this one again. I took time to write these down. The fault That false teaching, I'm afraid that false teaching and false teachers are starting to draw people away with a teaching that has enough truth to convince them and enough lies to condemn them. And that's just the truth of what I see in the world. Why do I look bleakly on 2024? Because this is some of the most popular preaching in our nation. And people are gobbling it up, gobbling it up, gobbling it up. And it's unbiblical false teaching. And the Bible, what the Bible says about many being led astray. One of those signs, the drawing of the day is happening before our very eyes. And we're going to have to figure out how to stand up against that this year. And finally, the last to do. Let us draw near. Let us hold fast to our faith. And let us stir up one another. Verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting the meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day drawing near. First of all, when it comes to stirring one another up, this is a very strong word in, in the Greek word. It's actually spur on one another. It's the idea of the cowboy with his spurs kicking the horse in the rib. Is, is the strength of that word like we really need to like all right we got to do this you know this isn't a this isn't a suggestion this isn't a all right you can do it come on no this is like get to it kind of word that's that's used there in the Hebrew it's a giddy up word right? that we have work and part of us stirring one another up is that we're to work together it says, let us consider how to move each other on to love and good works. Let me tell you what I believe the challenge for the future is. As, as I've, I've looked and, and, and I've been leading the elders through a study on the, the condition of the church right now, uh, where, where the church stands, the evangelical church stands a society, when I look at the future, and I'm not a crystal ball teller, but, but here's what I believe is one of the major challenges for the church in the future. We're going to have to figure out how to do more with less. Because society is moving away. Statistics tell us right now that evangelicals make up somewhere between 7 and 8% of American society. We're under 10% in American society. Bible-believing, born-again believers is less than 10% in the American culture. So, there's less of us than there's ever been. And we are, we're experiencing one of the largest uh, population growths since... The baby boomers right there's actually more babies being born at a greater rate than during the baby boom after world war ii and so our population is skyrocketing those two things combined there's more lost people now than there's ever been in america so there's more to do and there's less of us and the ones we have give less time than they've ever given to the church, right? Because we're busy. So we're going to have less time, less resources, less volunteers, and more work to do. This is the challenge of the future. we got more to do with less. Now, that sounds bleak, and that sounds bad, and, and there was other statistic i had about the closing of churches how many churches close a day and the decline in denominations and the decline in christianity and and all that and and you've probably heard some of that and that sounds really bleak and to sit here and say there's more to do and we got less people and less things to do it with than we've ever had to do that sounds bleak but we serve the god of gideon the god who said you got too many let's whittle that down Let's whittle that down to a few people who are really, really serious. And if you've got a few that are really, really serious who honor God, you can move the world. Christianity started out with 12 people, right? And so it's not about us, but it's about the God we serve and what he's able to do as long as we stick with him and let him lead us into his will. And so, yeah, things look bleak, and we got more to do and less to do it with than we have ever had, but we serve the God of Gideon still, and he is faithful. And so the future is bright. We have work to do together. We we are to stick together. The truth of the matter is we need one another. We probably need one another more than we've ever needed one another. As our world, as our culture, as our society moves away from the church, we're going to need each other more and more and more. We are called to be together. This is, like I pointed out, this is a, a call of unity. This is a call of us. And so I... I really, that's my email address. I put that up there particularly to be a a challenge for our online campus. I want to talk to them. Because one of the greatest challenges I face as a pastor is how to connect with the online campus in in a real and substantive way. And I've grown to appreciate that campus more than I ever thought I would. Because I realize there's a lot of people who use it for a lot of reasons I never anticipated. It's much more than just dealing with COVID. COVID. We, we have snowbirders. That's not something we have in the South. But up here we have snowbirders. We're able to have connections with those who travel. We have those who struggle with organized church. We have those who have real social anxieties. We have those who are sick. And we have, and we have a way of staying connected with one another. And I'm grateful for it. I promise you I never thought when we went online and started the online campus it would bear the fruit it did. I never thought about the needs that it's met. And I I still hear regularly people talking about this meets a need that I never anticipated, and I'm grateful for that. And I never want the online campus to feel like you're second-class citizens. You are not. And that's why I want to know you. And so I have a particular challenge for the online campus this year. Uh, This is my email address. and I just want you to email me how I can pray for you. The, The elders are interested in knowing you. That they, they want to pray for you. And if you just take time to just drop me. And, and Main Street, you can do it too. <laughs> you can use the same email address and, and tell me what we, we and the elders can pray for you guys too. We'd love to. We try to get together and pray for our people. We want to pray for you and your needs. And sometimes we just need to be informed. Our our telepathic airways are, are, are it don't work. And so if you don't tell us, we don't know about it. And so we invite you, let us know how we can connect because we need you and you need us and we need each other. And we'd like to pray for one another. And so we ask you to do that. We want to connect. We want to be, uh, know one another and, and know who's here and, and how we can serve and how we can pray for one another because we definitely need each other more this year than we've ever needed each other in the past. Let me just say, tell you this. I stand here pretty much every Sunday. And I'm glad we have a lingering church. You know what a lingering church is? One that as soon as the amen is said, people just hang around. And they talk to each other. And they talk to each other. And they talk to each other. If you've ever been in a church where it's like a a drag race out the front door when the amen is said, you'll know what I'm talking about. And I want to thank the trustees. Because those guys... They sit on that front pew, and they wait, and they wait, and they wait, and they wait to lock the place up. We appreciate that. But I'd much rather deal with that because we've got people who need each other, love each other, care about each other, want to see each other, want to talk to each other, and want to know what's going on in each other's lives. That is Christian fellowship as it's it's designed to be. And I'm grateful for that. And you need to know that. The last thing, we're encouraged to stir one another up. We're encouraged to encourage one another, right? To uplift one another. Being together is an encouragement, right? Caring for one another is an encouragement. One of the things that strengthens us to hold fast to our faith, one of the things that helps us draw near to God is the encouragement we get from one another. Hebrews 12, one says it this way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We run with endurance the rate was set before us. We overcome the sin in our lives because we have a great cloud of others that surround us. We're encouraged by those who have gone before. We encouraged by those who we serve with now, and we're encouraged by the thought of those who are yet to come behind us. It's this great cloud that helps us run with endurance. I close with a thank you today. From my mom, she, as I shared, faced one of those days not too long ago when the doctors called her and told her that she, her, her stomach cancer had returned. It was the day. So what are we going to do? We're going to draw close to God. We're going to hold fast to our faith. And we're going to stir up one another to love and good deeds. And one of the things she sat me down and made me do when I was with her And she handed to me every card that somebody in this church had wrote her. And it was card after card after card after card after card. And she's like, Jason, I can't tell you how many of your people way up there, Yankees to them, (laughs) have sent me a card. And it encouraged her in her day. That's what we need to be doing as often as we can All the time, right? So as the day draws near, as we look around and face the reality of the world and where it's at. Things are bad and they're getting worse, but God still sits on his throne, right? We're going to face the day. We're going to draw closer to the day of the Lord. We're going to face days where society changes and culture moves in directions that we cannot approve of. We will barely be able to stomach it. We will be offended. We will be hurt. We will shake our heads and go, I never thought I'd see the day when. But we'll see that day. And we're going to face personal days. There are going to be days where our loved ones or that diagnosis or something in our life happens. And it will forever mark your life. And it will be changed forever from that day. All of those days are coming this year. So what are we to do? Draw near to God together. Hold fast to our faith because he is faithful. So we're going to remain faithful. And we're going to stir up one another. We're going to giddy up the church of America and stop being lazy. And get busy about doing what we need to do. Because there's more to do than we've ever had to do. We're going to encourage one another, love one another, and be together to the glory of God.